Welcome back to another edition of Giants Goal Line and probably the happiest edition of Giants Goal Line you could ever imagine listening to because the Giants got their biggest regular season win probably since Christmas Eve 2011 when they beat the Jets to catapult themselves into the playoffs and to what was at the time seeming like a very unlikely Super Bowl run. This time it was a 10-7 win over the Dallas Cowboys the 11-2 Cowboys, who've lost twice to the Giants this season, beating everybody else they've played. It wasn't pretty. There was no doubt about that. It was defensive, a little old-time. Giants football, great defensive performance, but not uh, a lot of offense. Uh, some flaws that they showed that maybe could uh, hurt them later on, but we won't focus too much on the negative. We will get into that, as well as the great Great performance by the defense, even without Jason Pierre-Paul. We'll talk about how much that means to the Giants, what that means to their standing in the conference, their championship hopes, their hopes for the playoffs. We'll, of course, take a, a look again at the NFC race and see where the Giants stand. And uh, we'll recap every bit of the uh, exciting 10-7 win that featured the defense and featured Odell Beckham with yet another gigantic play. We'll also talk with Judy Batista of the NFL Network and NFL.com, who was at the Giants-Cowboys game. We'll get her perspective on where the Giants really stand uh, compared to other teams around the league, compared to the Dallas Cowboys. Just because they've beaten them twice doesn't mean they're the better team, but maybe they are the better team. We will find out about that. But we will start today, as we always do, with three headlines. And the first one for the Giants is about the brilliance of defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, who does not get enough credit for what he has done with this defensive unit. It is easy to say, well, they added $200 million worth of players. They should be good. And you look at his body of work, obviously, last year, the Giants' defense was pretty terrible uh, and historically bad, really. And uh, his last defense before that, when he was a defensive coordinator in New Orleans, was another historically bad defense. And it looked like he was a, on a career trajectory downwards. But he has proven this season that, like a lot of coaches, when you have the players, you can really find ways to get the job done. And he did it. This is why this is so important and so impressive. He did it without Jason Pierre-Paul, and he got creative to cover the fact that Jason Pierre-Paul wasn't there. Now, remember, this Giants defense was going against a rookie quarterback who had only thrown two interceptions all season long against the best running back in the league in Ezekiel Elliott, the best offensive line in the league, and he found ways to get pressure on the quarterback, to confuse the quarterback, and to essentially stop the Dallas Cowboys in their tracks. Some of that has to do with the players. Olivier Vernon was fantastic. Janoris Jenkins on Des Bryant was fantastic. But look beyond the individual players and the numbers and look at the scheme and what Steve Spagnuolo did. And the players talked about this afterwards on how they, the quote that we heard the most was they frustrated and flustered uh, Cowboys rookie quarterback Dak Prescott. And they did that by doing things that they had shown a little of during the season, but never as much of and never altogether. For example, Devin Kennard, a linebacker who was basically helping fill in for the loss of JPP, played a lot at defensive end and defensive tackle. And when you put a smaller, faster guy at those positions, it's not ideal. You can easily get 
pushed around and shoved around, but he can also use his speed and his knowledge of leverage to create a pass rush, which he did. You saw Landon Collins, uh, safety, defensive player of the year candidate, move up and essentially play a linebacker, which allowed him to shadow Dak Prescott a little bit and be the guy responsible for essentially shutting down Jason Witten. You know how much problems the Giants have had with tight ends? Well, Jason Witten, just four catches for 26 yards. Scheme changes like that, changing up the coverages in the secondary so Dak Prescott didn't know what he was looking at, changing the pass rush schemes so he didn't know where the rush was going to come from and they could get an advantage against that offensive line. That's all on Steve Spagnuolo, and it was absolutely a brilliant game plan. One breakdown, the touchdown pass to Terrence Williams where he was completely uncovered. Otherwise, the Cowboys had, well, without that one, about 230 yards, but 260 yards total, really never got their offense in gear and I don't know how long they can continue that without Jason Pierre-Paul, but it showed that Steve Spagnuolo, who was a brilliant coordinator with the Giants back during their Super Bowl year of 2007 and again in 2008, he still has the magic touch when he's got the players to work with. And even without JPP, he did a brilliant job. The number two headline for the Giants, well, we'll focus a little bit on the negative. I guess this isn't completely negative, but the, the headline is, can they survive as a one-dimensional team? Because let's face facts, and we've discussed this before, but there's no getting around it at week 13 games into this season. The Giants are not just a one-dimensional offense. They're essentially a one-player offense. Their whole plan nowadays seems to be stay in the game, maybe move the ball a little bit, and just hope that Odell Beckham will do what he did Sunday night when he took a pass that essentially went seven yards from Eli Manning and turned it into a 61-yard touchdown. There's not another player in the league with the kind of explosiveness that Odell Beckham has. He is incredible, and he does this all the time. But right now, a Giants offense that was supposed to be able to run the ball, that was supposed to have a big three at receiver, they're getting nothing out of anybody else. They're just waiting for Beckham to make that play. In theory, as we saw a lot earlier in the season, that becomes easy for teams to defend because they just have to sit back, put a shell around Beckham, and contain him, let him get... 10, 12 catches, but let them all go for 8, 9, 10 yards, and you'll be able to win the game because nobody else seems to be able to step up for the Giants. The Cowboys made a mistake. Odell Beckham made a great move um, on uh, safety Barry Church. He basically faked him into getting out of his coverage, and he dove sort of uh, ridiculously almost at his feet and behind him, and then he kicked it into the extra gear and took off uh, ahead of Brandon Carr, the cornerback who was chasing him. But most teams know and see that, and they think, okay, if we can get two or three guys to surround Beckham, then they'll take the Giants' offense completely out of its game because this offense has become really disastrous. I mean, Eli Manning is taking a beating behind that offensive line. Uh, there's just no time for him to throw. Victor Cruz is not getting open. Sterling Shepard is not getting yards after the catch. They're getting almost nothing out of their tight ends. And the running game, although they did have 93 yards in the rushing attack in this last game, it was only 2.8 yards per carry. Odell Beckham is so good. As we've seen before, he can win games for the Giants, and he can maybe carry them a long way. But I still say, if something else doesn't develop for the Giants, this will be their Achilles heel. It almost was against the Cowboys. The Cowboys had plenty of chances in the fourth quarter to win it. The defense rose to the occasion. But if the Giants are just going to rely on Odell Beckham, they're going to have to win a lot of these 10-7 games. And eventually, 
in a tough December and then on the road in the playoffs, it's just going to be too much. So they need to fix that, and they need to fix that soon. And that brings me to my third headline. Are the Giants the best team in the NFC right now? It's something that ridiculously you, you have to consider. I mean, this is not a team, even though they had their six-game winning streak, they beat basically nobody, and there was at no point where anybody thought, wow, they're better than the Cowboys. They, they can really make a run. But they're the only team to beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys were 11-2. The Giants took them down twice. The only other team with a record in the NFC as good as theirs is the Detroit Lions at 9-4. We will see them play next Sunday at 1 p.m. at the Meadowlands. The Giants certainly can lay claim to the fact that they, record-wise, they might be the best team. Uh, you know, Seattle, which looked like it might be the best team, was destroyed by Green Bay on Sunday. So they might have taken themselves out of the running for that. But here's the thing about the Giants and Cowboys. I know what the results are. I know they beat the Cowboys twice. It's still hard for me to think that they're the better team because the Cowboys, the two games they lost, one was the opener, and they almost won that game, but it was Dak Prescott's first game. It was Ezekiel Elliott's first game. And this game was probably Dak Prescott's worst game. And I don't want to dismiss what the Giants were able to do, but I think that it was a little bit, it had a little bit to do with the fact that the Cowboys, Dak Prescott was off. He was confused for the first time. I think when the Cowboys are operating on all cylinders, when that offensive line is going the way it was in the first half against the Giants, when a defense isn't completely confusing Dak Prescott, they are the team that's still built for playoff success. They are still the most well-constructed team in the league. Their defense played terrific against the Giants. Their offensive line is better than anybody. Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back maybe in the NFL right now. And certainly with Jason Witten and Des Bryant, Dak Prescott has enough weapons. The Giants could change my mind if they could ever develop any kind of consistent offensive weapon outside of Odell Beckham. Just one, a running back, a second receiver, anything and I might be willing to say they're the best team in the NFC. But until then, I think they are the ones chasing the Cowboys. They might be chasing the Lions, too. We'll find out more about that on Sunday. It's a mediocre conference. They are the best of certainly a mediocre bunch sitting behind the Cowboys. But despite the results, I still give the nod to Dallas as the best team in the conference. Of course, as we've seen with the Giants for many, many years, the best team doesn't always go to the Super Bowl. So we will find out in due time because the Giants – at 9-4, are essentially one win away from getting into the playoffs. And we'll get more into that at the end of the show. But right now, we're going to bring in our guest for this week, and that is Judy Batista. You can watch her on the NFL Network all the time, one of the best NFL reporters in the business. And you can read all of her stuff on NFL.com as well. Thank you so much for joining me today, Judy. How are you doing? I'm a little tired. I'm subsisting on coffee right now, but otherwise good, Ralph. <laughs> Yeah, those Sunday night games are uh, getting a little much, uh, especially when there's that much excitement and that much to digest. At least it was a good game, though. Uh, it was a good game, although if you were a lover of offense, this was not the game for you. But if, if you like defense, boy, you had to be pleased with what you saw from the Giants, that's for sure. No question about that. And I guess that'll be my first question to you is when you look at the Giants, obviously their defense is playing a little bit out of its mind at this point. But yeah. Can they live on de – I mean, we've seen champions, teams that have made playoff runs with defenses and bad offenses, but, I mean, do they have enough to make a sustainable run to the playoffs or through the playoffs? Well, look, I mean, we saw a team do it last year. Uh, so, 
yes. Now, are they the Broncos' defense? I don't know if they're quite at that level yet. Um, I, you'd like to see a little more offense. I was thinking last night um, while driving home that if the Giants' offense were even just marginally more competent than it is right now, they'd be scary. I mean, they'd be the kind of team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs uh, because the defense is out of its mind right now. So, I, I mean, I'd like to see, frankly, I'd like to see a little bit more offense. I'd like to see, you know, Eli not running for his life. I'd like to see the offensive line, like, protect at all. Um, you know, Odell dropped some passes but then had that beauty of a touchdown where you just it took your breath away, his acceleration. So, I mean, you see glimmers of it. You just want to see more of it more consistently. You know, I was thinking the same thing last night, and we've seen them be close to – not an offensive explosion, but more plays. You know, a week ago in Pittsburgh, another inch on a pass from Eli Manning in the air, and it, it gets a touchdown to Larry Donnell. Odell Beckham drops a pass when he's on his way to the touchdown right. against the Cowboys. So, you know, I have this feeling like they, things could click a little bit, and I, I've always trusted Eli to have things click for him down the stretch. But that offensive line makes me wonder if he's ever going to have enough time to actually stand there and get to his receivers. Yeah, the offensive line yesterday, and let's be honest, I mean, the Cowboys don't have much of a pass rush or didn't until last night. As a matter of fact, before the game, Rick Gosselin, the deeply respected Dallas Morning News writer who's chronicled the Cowboys for decades, was lamenting their lack of a pass rush, and he was wondering how far, how deep in the playoffs can they really go without a pass rush. And then they face the Giants' offensive line, and all of a sudden they have a pass rush. That's got to scare you. Um, I agree with you. I, I trust Eli because we've seen it in the past, certainly in those two Super Bowl runs, where it just all comes together for Eli and he goes on a tear. So I think certainly Eli has it in him. And, and again, they're so close. If that ball doesn't go through Odell's hands, it's a completely different game, right? I mean, then Odell scores two touchdowns and everything looks much different. Um, you know, I just want to see a click. They've got three weeks to sort of get things going here, and I'd like to see that. And it, absolutely, things could have been much different for the Giants. We know all these games are close, and they come down to mistakes, and you know they go one way or the other based on one or two plays late in the game. But when it was, the Giants were so close, in a sense, to turn, making this a big win in their favor, it made me wonder a little bit how good the Dallas Cowboys really are. Because from afar, we haven't seen them against the Giants since opening night. I look at the way they're built with that offensive line and not making mistakes, and I kept thinking this is the way I would build a team if I wanted to make a playoff run. But they looked a little more vulnerable to me than I thought on Sunday night. Well, I think Dak Prescott uh, over the last few weeks is looking more vulnerable, certainly than he did early in the season. And that was a big topic. I went to the Cowboys locker room after the game, not the Giants, and that was the topic uh, in the locker room, certainly with when Jerry Jones' whole court was, are you nervous now about Dak Prescott? I mean, do you worry that maybe the league now has enough tape that they're catching up to him and that the book is out on him? And even Jerry, uh, who threw his support completely behind him, said they never, ever considered going to Romo. But he did say, like, you want to see them broaden the portfolio, you know, and teams have to adjust as you go into the playoffs because, you know, let's face it, the NFL now has three-quarters of a season on Dak Prescott on tape to look at, so they know what his weaknesses are. They know... I mean, we saw what Spags did last night. He kept pressure on him. Obviously, they did a great job shutting down Dez. Um, so, you know, the, a little bit of the book may be out on, on uh, Dak Prescott right now, and they're going to have to adjust. And what you want to see 
from Dak, he's a rookie. He's been phenomenal. He's been poised. But you want to see that he can make those adjustments now. He's going to have to make those adjustments if they're going to make the deep run. But look, that offensive line is uh, stellar. Zeke Elliott, obviously, is just otherworldly. Um, they can go pretty far on those two elements, um, depending on what the matchups are. I mean, who do they get in what order in the playoffs? That's going to be a big thing for them. You don't think there's any way they switch from Dak Prescott back to Tony Romo, do you? No, I think it would have to be. And, and after listening to Jerry say it so adamantly last night, I mean, I think it would have to be something catastrophic. I, you know, something like if Prescott got hurt, obviously, you go to Tony. But I don't think it would be performance-related at this point. I mean, they have to be so careful to not say anything that even opens the door a crack on the idea of a quarterback controversy. They've only lost two games. Let's keep this in mind. Two games... They've only got three to go. They've already secured a playoff position. They're almost certainly going to be the number one seed. I mean, they would have to implode to lose that now. So, uh, you know, they've got to be really careful about not letting that fester at all. But, again, you'd like to see the offense performing better. Their last two games, they have only converted two third-down opportunities. That's wow. terrible. Uh, you know, so for Giants fans who are worried about how your offense looks, try being a Cowboys fan these last two weeks. Uh, so they've, they've got some things to worry about. And one thing that I wondered last night was how long can they keep up the, yes, we're not worried, it'll be fine, we'll adjust, before they start to really worry about it. What's amazing is even a team that looks as good as they did, all these teams are flawed to yeah. an extent. I mean, the Giants are deeply flawed. They're essentially a defense at Odell Beckham team, and they're still sitting at 9-4. and four. Beyond those two teams... What other team in the conference scares you? I'll tell you, for me, up until yesterday, it would have been <laughs> Seattle. And well, I don't know what the heck happened up there against Green Bay. Well, uh, first let me say this. I think league-wide, both conferences, I don't think there is a, a great team this year. I think every team is flawed in some significant way, so, which actually levels the playing field. I mean, I don't think there is a team like, you know, when the Patriots were undefeated that year and they were so far and away better. And even what we thought the Patriots might be early this year, where we thought they were so far ahead. Um, but in the NFC, I mean, yes, I agree with you. Until yesterday, I would have said Seattle, because I think they're balanced. You've you got to look at the Packers and what they just did to Seattle. Um, and is Aaron Rodgers coming on now after the early season struggles? Uh, so I'd be afraid of the Packers, certainly, if, assuming they get in. They have to get in first. Um, but I'd, I'd be afraid of the Packers. But then, I mean, look, there's not, you know, are you afraid of anybody in the NFC South? And that's taking nothing away from the Falcons or the Bucks. The Bucks are hot right now, and they play the Cowboys next. But, I mean, are you afraid of them? No. Um, you know, uh, until last week, I thought Seattle was the team that, you know, would give the Cowboys the best run. Uh, I don't know about that now. Seattle's got its own issues, certainly with its own offensive line. You know, but I think the Packers could, could cause a problem. Again, I think a lot's going to depend on, for the Cowboys, the order that they get teams in. And let's be honest, do they want to face the Giants again? Right. I mean, it's tough to beat an opponent three times in one season. We've seen that over the years in the NFL. But I'm thinking the Cowboys would prefer to avoid the Giants as long as possible. Yeah, I would think so. And, and a big reason for that is, you know, you mentioned earlier, that they're, in a sense, they're underperforming. Because Eli Manning is the guy that, right. you know, he's not doing anything that we expected. Two years under Ben McAdoo, they're a top 10 offense. He has his best seasons, really, statistically, since probably 2011 when they made the Super Bowl run. And then all of a sudden, 
everything is off this season. I tend to excuse him a little bit. I think he's getting battered behind that offensive line. Right. To use Jerry Reese's old phrase, I think he might be a little skittish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you, do you see anything? I mean, he is 35 years old. We at least have to accept that there's a chance this could be you know, the decline we've all been waiting for. Well, it's interesting. I was sitting with my colleague Kim Jones last night, and we were having that very conversation after you know he had thrown a pass that did not look anything like an Eli Manning pass should look. And we were saying, you know, the offensive line is clearly a problem, and he's got to be a little nervous. He's got to be feeling, you know, the pressure all the time. But you do wonder, like, is this the beginning of a decline for Eli? Now, again, you and I have seen over the years where he's sometimes looked shaky in the regular season, and then late in the season he catches fire and everything comes together, and it's awesome. You're still waiting to see. You want to see that, and you want to see it soon here in the next few weeks. Um, But you do have to wonder. I mean, he's in his mid-30s. This is the age when most quarterbacks start to come down. You know, I think we've all gotten spoiled watching Tom Brady and Drew Brees and, to a certain degree, until he was injured, Peyton. Um, But, I mean, this is the normal age where you think that quarterbacks start their decline. So you have to factor that in. I still say it's more that the offensive line is giving him no time and he is looking to, you know, bail out of a play as quickly as he can to avoid taking the sack. That, that's what I say. But I want, to see, I want to see a little bit more offensive consistency very soon in these next few weeks. Yeah, we've got three weeks now for them to show us that um, it's not the case that he's not on a decline. And I think, like you said earlier, if, if he does start to get hot and they put it together, there may be no team that the Cowboys would least like to see than the uh, Giants somewhere during the playoffs. Judy, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. See you at the Lions game. I can't wait. That's going to be another big one. Yes. Take care. You too. That was Judy Batista, one of the best NFL reporters in the business. And You can watch her on NFL Network, read her stuff on NFL.com, and, of course, follow her on Twitter at Judy Batista. And uh, appreciate her insight. And I, I you know, tend to agree with pretty much everything that she said it's going to be really interesting to see what happens down the stretch with the Giants because, as I said, I don't think that they are built right now to make a run, but if Eli Manning can ever put it together, either getting time to put it together behind that what's been really a terrible offensive line or just can sort of summon the old elite ability he had to carry the team despite that, they'll be dangerous. And Judy said this is – if they were even just adequate on offense, you might be talking about them as the best team in football right now. I mean, they nine and they've done nine and four with the twenty seventh ranked offense in the NFL. I think they're still the only team to not score thirty all season. They're averaging nineteen point six points. This is an offense that was top ten the last two years. That finally got a defense that can get them the ball back, and they have just gone in the tank and. I'm as big of an Eli supporter as anybody, and even I can see that he's way off. I do think it's because he's getting battered. Uh, he's getting no support from his receivers who aren't getting open other than Beckham and who are dropping passes, including Beckham. But uh, we saw that in 2011, too, and he carried them for much of that season, and he's not doing that this year. So is he an old Eli, or can he be the old Eli again? We'll find out in the last three weeks if he can flip that switch and somehow get on track, they might be a very, very dangerous team. Let's close this uh, podcast out by taking a look at where the Giants stand. And 
Are they a championship caliber team? I mean, can they really make some sort of run? And let's not hypothetical. As I said, if Eli Manning gets it together, yes, they can. But as is, can they make a run? You know, one-dimensional offenses have been carried by defenses before. It takes a great defense usually. It takes the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. It takes last year's Denver Broncos, although that Broncos team could run the ball much better than the Giants can. Uh, And that's a big issue because in fourth quarters, you need somebody to pick up those tough yards and get those tough first downs, and the Giants just have no ability to do that. But Odell Beckham is so good and so explosive. If your offensive scheme is to wait for his one or two big plays, more often than not, they happen. And maybe every game the rest of the way is going to be a high-wire act, waiting for that to happen and hoping the defense can make five or six stops in the fourth quarter instead of one or two. But so far, they've done it. And up until last night, up until Sunday night, I would have said to you, well, they've only done it against bad teams. Well, now there's no hiding from it. They beat a legitimately good team in the Dallas Cowboys. And as I've said many times, I think they are the most well-built team in the NFL. And the Giants were able to do nothing on offense and still come away with a win. So that tells you a championship run is certainly possible. Now, much like... Judy said with the Cowboys, a lot of this might depend on who the Giants end up facing, where and when. They're almost certainly going to be on the road as the wild card team in the playoffs. Right now, I believe they would be going to Atlanta to face the Falcons. The Falcons have one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. The Giants would have a hard time with their current offensive production keeping pace. The other possibility of where they could go, Detroit, if it works out that way, Detroit looks like they're going to win the NFC North. That's a team the Giants could beat, especially with Matthew Stafford now with an injured finger. It's going to make throwing difficult for him, and it's not the best-built team, uh, the Lions. I think they're probably a notch below the Falcons and the Cowboys. And then there's the Seattle Seahawks, which a very rough road trip if the Giants end up going out there in the playoffs. So you you hope, for if you're their sake, if you're the Giants, that they end up going to Atlanta or maybe Tampa, who could still win the NFC South in the first round of of the playoffs. That's certainly a winnable game. And then in the second round, I would think they would want to see the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they've beaten them twice. I know it's hard to beat them three times, but they know them. They know how to rattle Dak Prescott. They know how to stop Ezekiel Elliott. Sometimes the familiarity is good. Um, But again, if they have to go to Seattle, if they have to go, uh, you know, if they somehow end up, I don't think the uh, Green Bay Packers can win the NFC North, but if they do and end up having to go there against a red-hot Packers team, you know that's going to be tough for the Giants. So uh, their success, their road to Super Bowl 51 might really depend on who they get. Uh, and at the moment, it does look like they're going to get in, in the wild card. They can win the NFC East. They would have to win two more games than the Cowboys the rest of the way. That means even if the Giants won out, the Cowboys would need to go one and two. Probably not going to happen. It looks like the Giants will be the wild card or a wild card if they get a 10th win, which I think they can easily win one of their last three games, if not the Lions this weekend, certainly at Philadelphia. If they can win two of those games, they are probably the number one wild card team. So it looks like they're going to their first playoff since 2011, and Giants fans can certainly be very happy about that. After all the years of losing, I would think anything on top of that is gravy, but you get greedy, and as you know from the Giants, all you have to do is get in, and sometimes strange and magical things can happen. So uh, 
We'll see. We'll see. We'll be talking about that. We're going to have at least one extra week of Giants goal line thanks to the playoff run. Uh, we've still got a few more regular season weeks left, so make sure you keep tuning in. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at RVacchianoSNY, and you can go to SNYGiants.com or SNY.TV slash Giants for all of our coverage. Make sure you're also watching SNY as well for uh, pretty much nightly reports on the Giants as they head into uh, the stretch run, the, the push for the playoffs and the playoff chase beyond that. I want to thank Judy Batista of NFL.com and NFL Network for being a, a great guest, uh, as expected. Really appreciate her joining us. And uh, that's it. Stay tuned for full coverage this week of the Giants' big game against the NFC North leading Lions. And make sure you tune in next week as we recap that and look towards the stretch on the next edition of Giants Goal Line. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. This has been Giants Goal Line, part of the SNY.TV audio network.